Father, we thank you so much for this opportunity to be together again today, gathered around your word. You've spoken to your people through this book, throughout the generations, and we ask that as we're gathered today, we might hear your voice speak to us now. Hear us, and may we hear you, for we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning is from Luke chapter 24, and we begin reading at verse 13. It's the last chapter in Luke's Gospel. You'll find that in the New Testament section of the Pew Bibles on page 90. Um, if you want to grab a Bible, there's a couple of things that I, I'm hoping to just will jump out at you, and it might be easier if you have if you have it open. So Luke chapter 24, beginning at verse 13. This will be this will be a familiar story, usually told at a different time of year, but a very familiar story nonetheless. This is a, a story that takes a begin by saying now that same day. What is that day? That is the day of resurrection. Okay, this is when this story is said. Now that same day, two of the disciples were going to a village called Emmaus, but it's seven, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened, and as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked them, are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and don't know the things that have happened uh, there in these days? But what things? He asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what's more, it's the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning but didn't find his body they came and told us that they'd seen a vision of angels who said he was alive then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said but him they did not see he said to them foolish you are how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken did not the christ have to suffer these things and enter his glory, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, it's, it's nearly evening, the day's almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he broke bread, gave thanks broke it, began to give it to them. And then their eyes were open. They recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up. They returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together. And saying it's true, the Lord has risen, 
and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told him what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognised by them when he broke the bread. The word of the Lord. Amen. So Thursday was a day off school. We actually did have a fun day. Uh, we went into the city in the morning, hung around um, kind of in the, in the midtown area, did a few cool things. And in the afternoon, we, we got the train back and I took the kids to uh, Florham Park. There's a children's museum there. We spent a couple of hours there in the afternoon. Had an absolute, absolute blast. And late, it was late in the afternoon when we jumped back in the car and we started to, to drive back to, to New Providence. It was late in the afternoon, as I say, and the sun was beginning to set. It was at that point in the sky where when you're driving, it's level with your eyes. That's the worst time of, of evening to be driving. You know, in the old, the old cowboy movies, you know, how did they all end? With a couple riding off into the sunset, right? I don't know how... That's supposed to be a happy ending, but as we were driving back from, from Florham Park on the, the JFK Parkway, um, the sun was at such an angle that it basically blinded me. I didn't get in a wreck, but I couldn't see a single thing. Absolutely nothing. So for me, riding off into the sunset is not the most positive thing. Riding into the sunset is a time of absolute blindness where I can't see a single thing that's going on. What has that got to do with our text today? Well, we'll get to it just in a minute. There's a few things in this passage that I want to highlight for us today that I think will be very, very helpful as we, as we consider who we are and who God has called us to be in, in Jesus Christ. One of the things that we all need to bear in mind when we're reading scripture, particularly when we're reading um, narrative scriptures like the Gospels. Because the purpose of the Gospels is not purely and simply to tell us exactly what happened in the life of Jesus. That's, that's a part of it, absolutely. But there's much more to it than that. All the Gospel writers have crafted for us a particular telling of the life of Jesus in a particular way, in a particular order, with particular elements. You see, each gospel is, is quite different in its telling of the life of Jesus. They've painted these pictures in a very particular way because they want us to understand something very particular about who Jesus is. Every gospel is a wee bit different. Every gospel has its own emphasis. Every gospel has its own way of telling the story. And every gospel writer is a master storyteller. They know what they're doing. There's nothing in any of those stories that is there by accident. All the details are absolutely vital. They're absolutely important. Often when we read stories from, from Scripture, we tend to focus on the characters, don't we? You know, Jesus and the, and the disciples. Jesus and the Pharisees. Uh, Jesus and the Romans. Jesus and whoever else it might be, the crowds. So we tend to focus on the characters 
in the story. But the way that the gospel writers often frame the story, it's not just the characters that are important, it's the setting that's important as well. And this story, in this particular story, the setting and the time of the story become almost like a character for us. If you read the passage at the very beginning, you'll see that it says, now, that same day, two of these disciples were going to a village called Emmaus. It was about seven miles from Jerusalem. Seven miles from Jerusalem. Now, I don't know if it's purposeful. I think it probably is. But the fact that we're told it's seven miles from Jerusalem should be ringing some bells in our heads. There's a number mentioned, a specific number. It's, it's telling us that we've got to pay attention. You know, if we didn't have to pay attention to the number, it would say simply some distance from Jerusalem. But the fact that we have a distance, and Luke's been very specific about this, we've got to be paying some attention to it. The distance from Emmaus to Jerusalem is about seven miles. Well, the number seven is pretty important in Scripture, isn't it? It doesn't crop up an awful lot, but where it does crop up, it has a very deep significance. Where's the first time? Where's the first time we come across the number seven in the Bible? Seven days of what? Creation. Right? Seven days of creation. We read the book of Genesis. We read the first chapter. Yes, that's exactly right. <laughs> Seven days of creation. It's a number of perfection, isn't it? God made all these things, brought everything together, and were taken through the story. Day one, and God saw that it was good. Day two, and God saw that it was good. And so on and so forth. Day six, God saw it was very good. But day seven... God blessed the seventh day, the last day of creation. So we know in terms of biblical numbers that seven is a number of perfection. And it's a number of God's blessing. Something of blessing and something um, of perfection and something of completion is about to take place. Everything is about to be brought together and it's about to be revealed to these two disciples in this story. The number seven plays a very important role in this story. It gives us who are reading a clue that we're about to encounter something transforming. Now something that we don't get from this story, you've got to You've got to flip to the back of your Bible. I don't know if it's in the Pew Bibles here. I don't think you know. Actually, it's not in these Pew Bibles. But those of you that have your own Bibles with you, um, if you flip to the back, you'll find some maps. Does any of you have a Bible at home or with you that have maps? I'm sure some of you do. Okay. So if you flip to the very back and you find the, the map of... Uh, of Palestine at the time of Jesus, you're going to be able to look on that map and you're going to see where Jerusalem is. And then you're going to 
be able to look to the left of Jerusalem and you're going to see about seven miles from Jerusalem this little town called Emmaus. It's to the left. When you look at the map, which cardinal direction is that? West, right? Emmaus is to the west of Jerusalem. Now that's important and that's significant. And my, my rambling story at the very beginning comes into play here, doesn't it? It's the end of the day. It's not quite evening yet, but it's almost evening. And they are heading west. They're heading towards what? The sunset. They're heading towards the setting sun. You can almost imagine the scene. Like me driving along the, the JFK Parkway. The sun's at eye level. They're dazzled. They don't have their, their caps on or they don't have their sunglasses on or they can't pull their, their visor down. They're not on a camel with a visor. They're just walking along the road. And the sun is blinding them. Their vision is obscured. That's what Luke's telling us in this whole story. <coughs> Their vision is obscured. They're not able to recognize who this stranger is who's walking along beside them. They don't recognize him until much, much later. They don't recognize him, not just because of the setting sun, not just because of the glare of the sun, but they don't recognize him because they're heading in the wrong direction. They're going away from the place where it's all happening. They're moving away. They're, they're moving towards the setting sun. They're moving towards the end of something. The day is about to come to an end as the sun goes. And remember in the, in the Hebrew tradition, in the Jewish tradition, when, when does the day begin? Walter, when does the day begin in the Jewish tradition? Sunset. It begins in the it begins in the evening. In the in the book of, of, of Genesis, the story of creation talks about and there was evening and there was morning, day one. And there was evening and there was morning. Day two. The day begins with the evening. But they're walking towards the setting sun. They're walking away from the place where everything is happening. Everything is going on. And so they are unable to see the truth and the reality that is right in front of them. And then a couple of things else happen. A couple of other things happen in the story. This stranger starts talking to them and opens up the scriptures to them. There's a lot in that. We're not going to talk about that today. We'll talk about that another time. The importance of, of the scriptures pointing us towards Jesus. That's absolutely vital. That's something that we all need to grasp. That all of scripture points us towards Christ. Not just the gospels. Not just the New Testament. But all of scripture points us to Christ. We'll talk about that some more on another occasion. But it's as they listen... And as they, as they re reach their destination, something happens. Something very, very familiar happens. I don't know if you 
picked up on this. If you've got your Bibles open, you'll see what happens in the meal. These disciples are, are the host. They've invited Jesus to, to come and sit at table with them. But as he's sitting at the table with them, he switches roles and he becomes the host, doesn't he? Because what does he do? He takes the bread. He blesses the bread. He breaks the bread. And he gives it to them. Are those words familiar to you? Have you heard these words before? The disciples had heard these words before, hadn't they? Just a few days before. <coughs> and at different times in Christ's ministry where he met with them, where he gathered with others, he would take bread, he would bless it, he'd break it, he'd give it to them. And in that breaking, in that blessing, in that giving, they recognized that it was the Lord. And in that moment, he disappeared from their sight. And something happened. There's a New Testament word for what happened. But let me tell you what happened. Their lives were utterly transformed in that moment. The day was done. The sun had set. They had been sharing a meal. Their lives were transformed. And what did they do? At once, the scripture says, at once they got up and they went back to Jerusalem. What direction did they head in? East. They went to the place where the sun rises. They went to the place where the day begins. It was a brand new beginning for them. It was a brand new beginning for all of them. It was a new day that was about to dawn. Things had not only changed for them, but things were about to change for absolutely everyone. And no one would ever be the same again. The New Testament word for that is, is repentance. It's an old-fashioned word that we don't tend to throw around all that much today. We talk about, you know, in a, in a past era and in, in some traditions of the church, they talk about repenting. Repent for, and, and have your sins forgiven. Well, what does repent mean? Repent literally means to do an about-face and head in a completely different direction. I've heard people say, repentance is about turning 360 degrees. you're back where you started it's not yeah. repentance is turning 180 degrees and turning and going in the opposite direction they had been heading towards an ending when they encountered Jesus they turned and they started to head towards a brand new start a brand new beginning Christ had changed everything one last thing about the location The town is called Emmaus. The Hebrew name for that town, or the Aramaic name, is Hamath. And what that the name of that town means is warmth. It's warmth. Hamath means warmth. It comes from a from a word that means that. 
when we were when we were small, my, my sister and I used to go quite regularly to visit my auntie Margaret. She lived just a few miles from us, and we go to see her at least once a week. And it was boring at my auntie Margaret's. She would sit in her chair, and my uncle Bob would sit in his chair, and they would just talk and talk and talk, and we had to sit there and behave ourselves. Yeah. But one, one thing that we used to do on a regular basis when we were small to make things a little bit more entertaining for us uh, was we would play a game called Hunt the Thimble. And my, my uh, aunt would take a thimble, she'd send my sister and I out of the room, and she would hide the thimble somewhere in her living room. And we would go out and uh, there were two ways that we would play this. We'd go out and we'd come back in, and either they would start singing a song. Silly little song. Listen to the mockingbird, listen to the mockingbird, listen to the mockingbird singing in the old oak tree. And if we were getting closer to the thimble, she'd get quieter and quieter and quieter. And if we were getting further away, she would get louder and louder and louder in the singing. But the other thing, and you may be more familiar with this, this type of game, is she would say, you're getting colder. You're getting colder. You're getting colder. So what do we have to do? We have to turn around. Now you're getting warmer. Now you're getting warmer. You're getting warmer. Oh, you're hot. Oh, you're so hot. Oh, it's burning. It's burning. It's burning. What did the disciples say in this place called Hamath, this place called warmth? Didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the way? When their eyes were opened and they realized who it was, everything changed and nothing was the same again. Friends, it's my hope for each one of us that as we gather together, for our worship, as we gather together to serve, as we spend time at our places of work, as we spend time in the places where we volunteer, as we spend time being with others, that we might be in this place of warmth, that our hearts may be burning within us, that we may have the eyes to see the Lord Jesus. And may our lives be transformed. And as they ran off straight away to Jerusalem and changed the lives of so many others, may that be our heart's desire. That others through us might come to know this one who's changing us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.